Martin. Martin. Jobber Talk with Martin. Jobber Talk with Martin. Welcome to Jobber Talk. I am your host, Martin. Martin. And today we will be talking to you about the money in the bank pay-per-view and also some quick thoughts about the recently concluded event of PWR's Revolution X. All that and more on today's episode. So let's jump on to the hype train and let's talk about that event last May at the I Academy Auditorium which is PWR's Revolution X. For me, it was one of the best PWR shows in 2016. It had everything. A blow-off match between a couple of feuds. One of the best PWR championship matches I have seen so far in the company's history. And of course, there were some celebrity guests, celebrity spots, which didn't feel out of place. Okay, so let's go to the pre-show. Um... Now, I, I like the team of the two Dans. You know, Delirium. Yeah, that's what they're calling themselves. I forgot which Dan is which. But they were very athletic. And they were facing a team composed of, I, I think, Chaos. Yeah, I think that's the guy's name. Chaos and his tag team partner. I like the fact that the PWR people are... Adding more talent to the PWR tag team division. That's always a welcome uh, welcome thing. What I would also like to note about this match is... One of the guys there, Chaos, looks kind of like a former PWR wrestler. Well, he kind of looks like Mayhem. I thought that was Mayhem's brother and we might finally see the return of Mayhem Brannigan to PWR that night. Sadly, we didn't... Uh, so far, the next match was a another tag team match player, and it involved the network's Bruno Bernardo and the Machine Maverick Knight taking on the newest team called the Double Dragon. That's Ramon Bautista and Stanley Chi. Well, obviously, uh, Stanley Chi and Ramon Bautista wouldn't have none of that because. Even they knew they were overmatched by the hulking brutes that were the Machine and Bruno. And rightfully so, they did, you know. Okay, so it became a squash match when Ramon found a second guy to fight with him. The guy looked like Jojo the Love Survivor. And that was pretty, pretty much ouchies. One slam later, the network wins. They wanted more, so they asked for more. They got another tag team called Los Trabajadores, who also lost to them in quick fashion. When you have a team that big, there is no way in hell they will be losing unless shenanigans. Now on to the main show. Okay, let's see. It would be the blow-off match between Rhetoric Mahaba and the network's James Idol Martinez. Uh, it was very impressive for me. Uh, I mean, this is a good way to end the feud. To have the good guy finally get that win after so long of him chasing Idol. Of him trying to get that win against Idol. But he always, you know, gets the short end of the stick. 
this time, there would be no excuses, there would be no escape for the network's idol because Rhetoric Mahaba grabbed him on the jackalade and made him tap out. In between the match, I love how Idol jumped off the second floor to the mezzanine, from the mezzanine to the ground floor of the auditorium. It was scary, but they pulled it off well. Okay, next match is another favorite of mine. It would be Ken Warren versus Miguel Rosales. I was impressed by Miguel Rosales's physique plus his demeanor during that match. The Also, the paint was a good addition to the match to make him more scary, to make him more intimidating against Ken Warren. Well, Ken Warren was still unfazed by that. And he likes making fun of uh, Miguel Rosales that night. That's all I can say. Uh, nice, solid match. But, you know, let's just say it had a hard time following the first match because the first match really drained that emotional uh, emotional energy off me because I was chanting hard for Idol, for Rhetoric. Uh, this one was also a feud, but I think this is just maybe just stage one between the Rosales, Bax versus Ken Warren feud. Maybe in the next event, Ken Warren's gonna fight back against Joey Bax and Miguel Rosales. You can bank on that. Unless, of course, they'll all be moving on with new feuds, so I might be wrong. And now the PHX gauntlet match. I like the way it started. The Johan Oliores now needs commendation for having the most trippy entrance routine this side of Revolution X. He had a DJ, he had that, you know, hoverboard, he had a Starbucks drink on his hand. And yikes, if you can't get any more booze from that, I do not know what you need to do to make the people hate you inside the I Academy Auditorium. And that works. <laughs> Yowzers. Um Anyway, uh, yeah. He faced off first with Vintendo, who I say had a nice mean streak going on to him that night. I was really hoping it would be Vintendo's win, but uh, I guess, you know, Johan had to had to advance the next round to maybe progress this possible feud between Mark DiManalo and Johan. Because after Johan got eliminated by Mark DiManalo, Mark DiManalo got eliminated by Joey Bax, who, well... Let's just say Johan spat a drink on MDM to distract him enough for Bax to give him the hit or something like that for the pinfall. Sad to say Joey Bax's night would be also over once Sandata came in and worked on his leg. After Sandata defeated Bax, he you know defeated my pick to win the gauntlet match, Trabajador Uno, who I really felt should have been the guy to win that match only to be easily defeated by Main Max at the end for comedy reasons. Well, that didn't happen. Because one knee strike later, he was out for the count. And now we had Sandata versus Chino. Uh, this was a good portion of the gauntlet match that I enjoyed. Uh, both men had had it going for them. I really hope they'd have a good feud in the future. Because 
they for me just for me I'm not sure about the others um, they have good chemistry in the ring and in performances finally we had one of our favorites Crystal taking on Chino Ginto in the finals of the gauntlet match she put on a spectacular uh, show she was trying to fight hard to beat Chino Ginto and actually claim the gauntlet victory for herself however Chino Ginto being Chino Ginto won and you know put on a good show speaking of which uh, we had a preview of the network versus the royal flush in main max versus Chino Ginto evidently main max would have gotten that win either way because a he is more experienced and he has the weight and size advantage and the skills to beat up Chino Ginto anytime he wanted to but Ginto put up a good fight. If ever the flush or the network might, well, one of them would turn into the good guy group and fight the other one. Uh, this is a good preview of things to come. Maybe come 2017, it'll be network versus royal flush or something like that. Wouldn't that be great? No? Just me? Well, fine. Screw you guys. I like that possible, uh, possible feud. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, let's go to the next match, and that would be featuring the new and improved version of what the Apocalypse's mask, a scarier mask versus Kanto Terror. It, it sadly my pick went wrong because Kanto Terror got demolished by Apocalypse. Well, basically him, Mark Di Manalo. Both of them, both of Beer Promdi got demolished by the Apocalypse in that match. But hey, I, I like the spot where Mark DiManalo grabbed onto that ice bucket or the beer bucket and delivered that headbutt from the top rope. That was amazing. I was like, holy sh**, man. Anyway, uh, next match would be another favorite match of mine. And that would be Versosa versus Bombay Suarez match. Uh, first blood match. It got bloody. It went everywhere in the damn building. Uh, well, in the damn auditorium. Uh, he rammed PV's face in front of... I say that in front of the speakers, in front of the golden chair. Finally, we got Barbie to debut in PWR. Sad to say, Peter Versaza had something to think, said, uh-uh, not gonna happen. He peated greed the former PWR PHX champ and the former MyPW Extreme Division champ face first on that barbed wire bat to win the match. So the jack of all bays proved the point that he ain't just a pretty face. He can kick some ass. But I am sure that Bombay Suarez will get his payback anytime within the next few months against PV and the rest of his cohorts. And now, I want to talk about one of my favorite matches of the night. It is the uh, match between Panzer and Sebastian with uh, Mr. C and that guy named... Uh, who's he again? Yeah, Casey um, Montero. Yeah, I, I guess that's right. Casey Montero on the side of John Sebastian. Now, that's some good mic work by Casey Montero. He really, really railed it onto the audience that, no, I don't really want to be here. I just want to see 
Pretty Boy get his ass kicked by John Sebastian so I can see Mr. C get his butt fired. The favorite part of the match here for me would be that time when things got so intense that Stan C and Casey Montero went at it outside the ring. Um, I had a very, very front view seating to that event taking place. I may have been sitting still on my seat, but I was so ready to bail there if ever they would toss the other guy on our direction. That was scary, okay? And it was intense. And some of the PWR ring crew would tell you their first-hand encounters of how strong the shove was or the toss was from Casey Montero. Because he was all jacked up and shiz. You thought he would be the one kicking, you know, Panzer and Mr. C's butt the whole night. But one kill shot later, Mr. C is gone as the PWR general manager. Thus ends the reign of C in PWR. Uh, my thoughts on this would be that I really expected that it would be Mr. C getting fired here. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. Uh, the writing was on the wall, I guess. Sad to say, I really wanted a extension of the Mr. C reign at PWR. So what's going to happen next with PWR without Mr. C? You know, my feeling is there will be a new general manager. And it's from someone that will be so unexpected. And my favorite match, the other favorite match, would be the main event. To start off the main event, a certain PWR champion that night stated that his t-shirt was on sale outside. It was the first thing I did. Tried to see if that was true and dashed out to the outside and let John take some pictures before I got back. So yeah, I am proud to say I'm now a proud owner of the new Brian Leo First World Man purple t-shirt. Brian Leo, if you are listening to this episode, thank you for giving us that PSA announcement before the start of the main event. In other cases, uh, it was a nice showcase of uh, talent for both, uh, well, for all three competitors, for Imabayashi, for JDL, for Brian Leo in the main event. Brian Leo highlighted his uh, strengths of being a good submission expert, uh, trapping Imabayashi and Deleon in certain maneuvers, in certain locks during the match at the same time, mind you. And I like the way that they played off of Ralph's uh, anger or frustrations about JDL. Uh, at the start of the match, they were working and then they started beating up on each other after Brian Leo left the, the ring. <laughs> it was fun as well as how the former champion Brian Leo was hiding around the ring and people were telling him, uh, the other competitors he's there he's there and then he looks to the to the audience members direction and uh, you know says the susses them and tell them don't tell them I'm here you know not literally but you know the body language that was amusing to see <laughs> I had a hard time keeping my laughter to myself that time anyway the best spot would be the table spot where all three of them got crashed down at the end of the day though Jake DeLeon finally made Jake DeLeon finally made his new reign as PWR champion after one a leap and drop and I'm so happy for him to be the new PWR champ he was the first champion last Revolution X but a certain Brian Leo had to cash in his shot that night and you know 
took him out and got the title. Not this year. This year was JDL's year and I congratulate him and PWR for putting on a spectacular, you know, spectacular event that May. Speaking of a spectacular event of wrestling, I would like to talk to you about Money in the Bank. For the kickoff show, I was very entertained of Breezango versus The Golden Truth. <laughs> it actually had a storyline with The Golden Truth in ruining the tanning of Fandango and Tyler Breeze. They set up the tanning bed so high that the skin of Tyler and Fandango were, were a bit too achy to compete in 100%. And that was entertaining for me. Maybe it was a bit boring or a bit corny for some wrestling fans, but for me, that really did the trick. I was more entertained with that match than the Dudleys versus Lucha Dragons match. Not to discredit Lucha Dragons versus Dudleys match because they did a good job as well for the kickoff show. But if you want me to choose which kickoff tag team match I liked, it would be Brizango versus Golden Truth. And maybe that would just be me. And the rest would say Dudley's Lucha Dragons. And I won't fault them on that. That's their opinion as well. For the opening tag team title match, I like the mic work of both Enzo and Cass and the New Day before the match started. Midway throughout the match, I was convinced, however, that it would be the two bald guys... Anderson and Gallows who would get the win, but eventually the WWE Tag Team Champions retained the titles. Maybe they'll be losing it sometime soon for the against the club, or maybe against the returning Wyatts who made their return last Raw. I wouldn't know. But for me, I I would rather see them fight the club first. Because it's serious team versus very, very funny team. It's it's better that way for me. Anyway, let's go on to the next match. With Ziggler and Baron Corbin. It was a pretty okay match. And you would expect that Corbin got the victory. Between that match and the first match, we had a funny, funny segment between Jericho, Del Rio, and Kevin Owens. Uh, basically, they were do dogging Alberto Del Rio for calling people perro. And Jericho says, Alberto Del Rio and Kevin Owens are a pair of stupid idiots before he told interviewer guy to drink it in. Drink the gift of Jericho, man. Good mic work yet again by Y2J. The Divas tag team match... Oh, I'm sorry. The the tag team match between Dana Brooke and Charlotte versus Natalia and Becky Lynch was a-okay for me. It just gave a good vehicle for Natalia to turn into a bad guy after Dana Brooke shoved Becky Lynch her way costing them the match so it's sad to see Becky Lynch being turned on again by another friend which in this case is Natalia now go to the next match the Cruz Sheamus match was pretty entertaining uh, there was some nice offense by the, Celt the Celtic warrior there weren't too many limes in this one 
however, because the winner of the match was Apollo Crews via roll-up. I was expecting a different ending, but I guess they still want to make Sheamus look strong, which is understandable because this guy's a former world heavyweight champion, former WWE champion. He just can't outright lose clean to a de- to a recently debuted Apollo. I was thinking it would be more of a DQ finish, but maybe this is a way for them to continue the feud going on up to SummerSlam, where maybe Apollo would finally get a clean win over the former champion. That or the other way around with Sheamus dominating Apollo for some reason or another. I don't know why they do that. I hope they won't. And finally... Another match we were waiting for, AJ Styles versus John Cena. These two worked very, very well. Now, obviously, the ending saw the club attacking Cena for AJ Styles to win this match, even though AJ Styles signed the contract where the club won't be there at ringside. Technically, they weren't there at ringside when the referee was conscious, but the referee was out of it, so... No one was a witness to it outside the fact that most of the audience were and the commentators were. What counts is the guy who was refereeing there didn't see what happened. I love the spot where AJ did a springboard 450 splash, but Cena got him on the knees. Ouchies, man. Just ouchies. Anyway, um, the Money in the Bank ladder match... It wasn't much of a spot fest that you'd expect from previous iterations. The last the last few MITB matches had more spots than this. But it was still impressive when Cesaro did that giant swing on what Jericho onto the ladder. That was ouch man. That hurt. <laughs> you could feel it. And then that uh, the ending felt a bit jiffed because I thought Jericho would be still trying hard to reach out on the ladder to stop Dean Ambrose from getting that money in the bank briefcase after Kevin Owens fell down to the ladder and all. See, there there was this point Jericho was rolling and he could see it was Ambrose but he was he was just trying to get to his feet. Instead of, you know, rolling to the ladder where he could have just tried, even though it wouldn't work, trying to tip over the ladder where Ambrose was. Maybe that's how it should have ended. It'd still be Ambrose winning without any much trouble from Y2J, but still, it would have added much more to the story. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, okay? I'm not the expert in this. I haven't wrestled in shit anyway. Just wrote a couple of stories. Yeah. Anyway, um, before the main event, we will have the U.S. title match. It's Daddy Titus facing Rusev. It it was a simple match, but wow, uh, this highlighted the fact that Rusev is a great bad guy, a great heel. After winning, he just like shoved it in Titus O'Neil's son's face that. I defeated your father. Look at me. He is defeated. 
I am the winner. You know, something like that. He just shoved it in the young boy's face. And that was so hilarious. And that was so evil at the same time. So props to Rusev for doing such an awesome job at being a bad guy that night. And finally, let's go to the main event. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. I gotta say, I loved this match due to certain spots. Um, the Razor's Edge into a sit-down powerbomb by Roman Reigns on Rollins. I like that. The attempt of Superman punches on Rollins after he finally landed one punch, the third attempt. That was good. And also the ending, well, not part of the ending, where Roman was about to spear Rollins, but Rollins got him with a pedigree. That was impressive. I love that, man. And finally, the ending saw Seth Rollins winning the title once more, proving that Roman Reigns... And Seth Rollins might have a future match. That is if, you know, Roman Reigns comes back from suspense in 30 days. Well, of course he will. What are we talking about here? So after that match, what happens next? Dean freaking Ambrose cashes in the money in the bank contract. Blasts Rollins in the face with the contract. Well, the briefcase. And delivers the dirty deeds for the win. And we have a new... WWE Champion. What does this say for the WWE in general? Well, for the next month, obviously, we'd know that there will be no Roman Reigns on the air after being suspended for a wellness policy violation. It's going to be the Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins show at the top of the card with the WWE title. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. It's time for Dean to prove to everyone in the WWE that he is indeed WWE Championship material with this reign. He's not just a stopgap measure because Reigns failed a wellness policy test or whatever. He proved his chops in the next two shows. One is Raw when he said he'd fight both Rollins and... uh, Reigns, and he proved that again on SmackDown when he interrupted Rollins' open challenge, which was accepted by Sami Zayn. (laughs) He just interrupted, made it to the Ambrose Asylum. It was hilarious. It was gold. I am very optimistic of Dean Ambrose being the WWE champ for the next few months. The next question is, what's going to happen on September here in Manila? Does that mean Reigns is going to regain the title come SummerSlam? Because he was the one advertised here with Seth Rollins. But we don't see no Dean Ambrose in the advertisement. Well, obviously, there's a brand split this coming July. How is that going to affect things, huh? Does that mean there will be a new world championship title for one of the brands while the one that Dean Ambrose is holding will be on another brand? Another question would be is, is this going to be Raw or SmackDown that's coming here to Manila on September 9th? I'm really hoping it's Raw. So next year, we will have SmackDown on 2017. Just like what happened on Raw and SmackDown on 2006 and 2005. I hope that's going to happen. 
Well, those are my wrestling thoughts on PWR and WWE as well. Please do not forget to subscribe to Jobber Talk on iTunes and on our feeder burner. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Channel 14. And if you're listening right now, don't forget to listen to our other shows. There's Bodega Nights, there's Third World Linux, and Saxel Plays Pigs, Minecraft Mondays, and my favorite, of course, Radio Norm that happens every Thursdays. Sad to say, due to microphone issues and technical issues, Radio Norm is on a hiatus for Season 2. But I am here to tell you that Radio Norm is coming back with more awesome episodes. You gotta deliver on that now, Norm. Pressure's on you. And do not forget to help us unsuck by donating to our Patreon page or on our PayPal. Thank you to all the people, all the subscribers on our Patreon site for giving us money to help this site to be more unsuckier. And that's it. Peace. And if you reach this part, this is the off-tangent segment. I'm here to tell you that as a Bulls fan, I am a bit sad to know that Derrick Rose has been sent to New York for just a couple of people like Robin Lopez and Jose Calderon. In this trade, I see that maybe they want to keep Paul Gasol if they have Jose Calderon. Those two have a history together, I think. If not, well, I'm here to brace myself for the departures of Joakim Noah and Paul Gasol from Chicago during free agency. So yeah, I'm a bit scared of the free agency period right now for Chicago because it looks like, as a Bulls fan, it's time for me to watch another rebuilding process at Chi-Town. The draft was okay. Uh, the Bulls got Denzel Holiday or Denzel something. Denzel Valentine. Yeah, he seems to be like a good blue chipper. I look forward to seeing him contribute to the Chicago team this coming 2016-2017 season. Uh, anything around the league? Well, I am for one surprised that they trade Serge Ibaka away to Orlando for a couple of people like Ersan Elisova, Oladipo, and the son, the son of Arvita Sabonis is gonna be in the NBA this coming season. Would you believe that? 20 years later, after, 20 years after Sabonis's entrance into the NBA, now his son enters the NBA. I'll bet younger compared to Sabonis's entrance because he was already like slightly old when he entered the league. So uh, I'm wishing the younger Sabonis good luck in the NBA and I hope he has a good time, a good career, an awesome career at the NBA and he's gonna see that start at Oklahoma City um, any other news well uh, our friend Mike came back he's here in the Philippines for a good few weeks so yeah we've been hanging out with him I hope that the boys and him will be recording a Bodega Nights episode sometime within the future sometime while he's here in Manila cause you're gonna like his stories like that time when he 